good to see each of you here today. Glad that you were able to be here and that you chose to be here for this time of worship. We uh, invite any that are visiting with us to come back as often as you can to worship with us. We're always glad to have you here. A couple of very quick announcements. One is a reminder to the children that things are uh, as usual tonight from 5.30 to 7 with the Sunday night program. And that now we're into, I think, our third week of um, children's handbell group that meets from 5 to 5.30 with Jessica in the social hall. Um, a reminder to join folks for a fun night at Greenville Road Warrior hockey game. Um, the deadline to register is Tuesday, February the 28th. Um, the, the activity is March the 2nd, and the tickets are $8. The group is going to, uh, those that want to, are going to go to Fuddruckers first uh, for supper and then on to the game. So if you have any questions, talk with Katie or uh, Wayne or Christy Morris. The Methodist men are, are working on a um, retreat, and the United Methodist men invite all men, their fathers, sons, sons-in-law, grandsons, nephews, and friends to the Men of Valor 2012 retreat, March 31 through April the 1st um, at Hickory Knob State Park. Cost is $85. Deadline is March the 18th. Please keep that in mind. Robbie Septon has an announcement to make this time. morning. I actually have two quick announcements. Uh, the first is softball is starting up very soon. If you're interested in playing uh, softball, men or women, uh, please see me or Wayne Morris as soon as possible, uh, especially for the women. We'll definitely have a men's team, but the women's team again is iffy. Um, second announcement I had is for all the adults of Memorial to remind you that coming up very soon, March 11th, um, Sunday night, 6 o'clock, is our annual class dinner that our cross-training Sunday school class does. This year, instead of doing the midwinter dinner that we've done in the past, we have moved it back due to some uh, other circumstances, moved it back a couple weeks. And this year, it is the Southern Eats and Silent Treats. And our class got together last night and previewed the menu. Uh, chicken breast, baked potato, green beans, bread, and dessert, and I can tell you it is awesome. You guys are in for a real treat. Uh, tickets will be on sale after both services today and uh, the next week, so please, if you're interested, go ahead and get your tickets so we have kind of a head count, and it's going to feature the not-so-newlywed game, and I'm not entirely sure what all is going to go on there, but I can tell you it will probably be pretty entertaining, to say the least. So. Um, if you have any auction items that you'd like to donate, just find someone from our class and we'll be glad to help you with that. Thank you. Also for sale after the service is, uh, the, is a hoodie, sweatshirt that the youth are selling to help raise funds for their mission trip this summer, so be looking for them. Also, if, you have a, if you're computer savvy, uh, go to the Samaritan Purse website, which is SamaritansPurse.org, and you'll see a write-up about Leanne Morris and Memorial Church for the fundraiser that we did for uh, their Children's Heart Project a few weeks back. So uh, check that out and, and uh, 
have a, a moment of pride over your church and uh, this young lady who helped us so very much. Now, I forgot in this service last week the same thing about this. I had what they call a senior moment, I guess. Uh, June Melton had a bad fall 10 days ago and missed all of last week with a back injury. Um, Patsy Farmer's been assisting me in the office and will do so this week. Uh, the mistakes in the bulletin this week are all entirely due to my little fat fingers, so uh, keep that in mind. But we hope June will be back with us in the very near future when she gets over this fall. We're counting on it maybe before this week is over. Let us now begin our time together in worship.
Our affirmation of faith is the Apostles' Creed on page 881. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and he sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. This time we invite the children to come forward to join Amy Kynard for a few moments of sharing. children's service, I always try to think about how I can make it meaningful in our day-to-day -day lives. And so I was looking at the calendar, and this week we have a special day. We have an extra day in February this year. Are you really? Oh, for that extra day? Oh, that'll be cool. Well, our extra day this year is February the 29th, and it's called Leap Year because we have this extra day. Can you think of anything that leaps? Frog. A frog, yeah. Anything else? Yes. A bunny. Anything else? What? A wolf, I guess. Yeah, a wolf could leap if it was trying to grab something to eat, couldn't it? Well, you said my favorite thing, frogs. In fact, I wore some frog earrings today. And I wore a frog bracelet today. I'm going to do a paper folding activity today that is going to be about, guess what? A frog. Now, frogs are very important in my life because I collect them for one thing. But they help me remember that we have to trust in God and we have to rely on God. So if you spell the word frog, can anybody spell frog for me? Spell it loud. F-R-O-G. Yes, F-R-O-G. And that word reminds me forever, that's the F, rely, that's the R, on, that's the O, G, that's God. Do you know what it means to rely on God? to trust him, to count on him, to depend on him. And so that's what, remind, that's what frogs remind me of, to forever rely on God. Now, today I'm going to read a piece of scripture to you in just a second, and I want you to remember about relying on God. Hold on just a second. Okay. Here's our frog, and he will actually jump, except this one's kind of fat, and he doesn't want to jump very far. But the one I'm going to give you is going to jump. So hold on just a second. Okay. 
in Genesis 10, verse 16 and 17, it's, um, they're talking about what happened after Noah's Ark and after the flood came. And after the flood, there was a rainbow. And here's what it says. For I will see the rainbow in the cloud and remember my eternal promise to every living being on earth. Because God promised he would never have another flood. And so we have to rely on God to believe that. We have to, to know that he's, he's going to keep his promise and he's going to keep us safe. And we have to depend on him. There's a, um, a phrase called taking a leap of faith. Have any of you ever taken a leap of faith before? Do you know what it is? I take a leap of faith every time I sit up here because I never know what's going to happen with these papers and my scissors and all that stuff. A leap of faith is when you do something and you, you're not really sure how it's going to turn out, but you're trusting that it's going to work. And you're counting on God to get you through it. And I do that every time I sit up here. And to help you remember about a frog, I want you to look at this frog. He's got warts on him. You see those warts? People are like that. We have warts. We have things about us that are not perfect, but God loves us anyway. So I'm going to give you a frog today to take home with you to help you to forever rely on God. Let's say a prayer real quick. Dear God, thank you for being there for us always, and thank you for letting us remember to fully rely on you. You take such good care of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Also, I have a special little thing for you that um, Miss Margie Crowley found. She knows I like to fold paper, and so she found these origami boxes. And each one of you is going to get one. Oh. So be sure to thank Miss Margie. Okay, get your frog. Go ahead and pick out a frog. And get your box. This will remind me not to jump to so many conclusions. That's what I All right. Our Old Testament reading for today is from Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Here in our Old Testament lesson. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I will establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of, the, of a flood. 
Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures and every, of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is Psalm 25, which actually begins on page 757, the part that we will be reading. I invite you to stand as you're able as we share this passage responsively. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Let none that wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are clothed with treasury. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait for all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore the Lord instructs sinners in the way and leads the humble in what is right and teaches them their way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep the Lord's covenant and reading is from, sec, uh, from rather 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 18 through 22. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. 
In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at, and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Here ends the lesson.
There's a prayer of confession printed in your bulletin that we have been doing in recent years during the Lenten season to mark that season and also to begin our time in prayer with a time of confession. So I invite you to join me in these words. Let us pray. Almighty God, your blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan. Come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weakness of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Lord, it is comforting for us to remember that Jesus was in human flesh as we live our lives. We remember a time when Jesus told his closest friends that often the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We certainly understand that. We find ourselves tempted, and it is a good thing for us to remember that Jesus knew what it was to be tempted. What amazes us, Lord, is that his dedication to you and his strength of character was such that he was able to always, by faith, win the battle against temptation. As we grow spiritually, sometimes we're able to do this, thanks be unto God, but still so very often, it seems that we fail. It is good to know, Lord, that you understand the difficulties we face and that you promise to forgive us when we fail in a time of temptation. And we're also thankful, Lord, that you build strength of character into us that gives us strength to rely upon our faith to help us out of difficult situations. We pray that your wisdom would abide upon our young people, especially as they're growing, that they might wisely face temptation victoriously. We're grateful, too, that Jesus came to preach the good news of your love and forgiveness. We are so thankful that Jesus' message was such a positive, glowing, loving one that we're Others had just said, repent or perish. His was so positive. Repent and start believing that you really love us. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to acknowledge your presence and your love and to be so touched by your undying, unending love for us that we are ever strengthened in our spiritual life and in our daily life with you. We are thankful for the good news. Lord, we remember our friends in special hours of need. We remember those who are recovering from accidents this day. And for those who are recovering from surgeries and those who are facing surgeries, we are grateful that we can turn to you in difficult times like this and that your strength is always there to comfort us and to carry us through. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
Amy, if the truth is known, it's a leap of faith for preachers every time we stand in this pulpit. Um, God is good. Uh, catches us very often when we jump too far. Uh, I'm reminded of that passage where Jesus told his disciples to launch their boat out into the deep. Sometimes we preachers do that and uh, get in over our heads. But anyway, gospel reading for, for today is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. <clears throat> At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you're my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the desert and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Here ends the lesson. Season of Lent has always been a very important season for the church. It is because this season marks the final days of Jesus upon the earth. Lent leads up to the crucifixion of Jesus, his burial, and the empty tomb. From our vantage point as Christians, these are the most important events in all of human history because it is through these events that God won for us our eternal salvation. This all-important season of Lent always begins with a call to personal examination. And the scripture that is usually paired with this theme is Jesus' temptation at the very start of his ministry. For Jesus, this was a time of deep self-reflection and examination as he prepared to launch his servant ministry. In the early church, Lent was a time when new converts to the faith were taught the facts of the faith and on Easter Day, they were baptized and welcomed into membership. When we hold confirmation classes for youth this time of the year, we're following a very ancient uh, custom. But Lent was also a time when backsliders were brought back into the church. People do fail and deny their faith from time to time. I had a very good friend once who was uh, in the town where I was. We were, he was the Baptist minister and I was the Methodist minister. And he talked about backsliding. And he says, you know, our church doesn't believe in backsliding. I said, really? He said, yes, but we practice it every day. Uh, <clears throat> I guess we all do that. Um, people do fail and deny their faith in Christ. In the early days of the church, if somebody put a sword in, in the face of a Christian and said, are you a Christian? Some of those people backed down out of fear of death and said no. They were no good to themselves after that time of denial and needed to be reinstated into the fellowship after a season of repentance and self-reflection 
and Lent was the time when those things were accomplished. So if you feel that you have really badly failed your Lord in recent days, Lent can be that time of new beginning for you. It can be a time of self-examination and starting over. <clears throat> now we're told that Jesus' testing occurred immediately following his baptism. His struggle came on the heels of a very, very high moment spiritually. And isn't that so very true in our lives also? Often spiritual highs and low moments seem to come clustered together like mountains are always surrounded by low points called valleys on all sides. Jesus had indeed had a very high moment. When he was baptized by John in the Jordan, Jesus saw the heavens torn open, ripped open. Now that word that Mark uses is that violent a term, ripped open. His choice of words implies an eruption, a violent bursting forth of the Holy Spirit from heaven to earth upon Jesus. It as, is as if heaven itself could no longer contain God's excitement of his plans for humanity. And so heaven itself was, was ripped open so that God's spirit could come upon Jesus so that the work of the kingdom could begin. It's inspirational for us to think that God's spirit is also just as poised and prepared to rip open the heavens and come hurriedly to you and to me. The slightest turn in God's direction by a human being is met by the rushing of the Holy Spirit who comes forth from heaven to welcome us to a closer relationship to Almighty God. Now Mark tells us that Jesus was the one that saw heaven torn open and the spirit descending in the form of a dove, Mark doesn't tell us that anybody else saw these things. Jesus heard the voice telling him that he was God's son and that God loved him and was well pleased with him. Mark doesn't mention anybody else hearing this. One of the inferences that we can make from this telling of the events is that this was an intensely personal experience for Jesus. There are some things that happened there that he alone would have been aware of. And it really didn't matter if anybody else saw anything or heard anything. Anyway, Jesus knew what he had seen and heard, and that really is all that mattered. It's always nice when others can add their witness to some, some spiritual event. But what makes the spiritual event valid for us is something within our own hearts that we know inside of ourselves, not what someone else is telling us. Now, we United Methodists have always liked to talk about the witness of the Spirit in our spirits, in our hearts, assuring us that we're God's children. We know it inside, and that's what makes it real and valid. That's how we know we belong to God. We experience that. Many years ago, when I was, many years ago, when I was a youth, uh, we had a speaker come to Bethel and talk with us. And he was a young United Methodist pastor 
who told us his own journey into the ministry and his faith walk with Christ. And he told us about an experience that happened to lead him to faith in Christ. On a Sunday night, back in the days when we still had Sunday night worship in all of our Methodist churches, he was sitting in the back with some other youth about to fall asleep during a long, uninteresting sermon. I would like to point out I was not his preacher. Anyway, he leaned his head back and began looking up at his favorite light bulb that he had long ago chosen to stare at during dull sermons. That particular night, though, something strange happened when he looked back up at his light bulb. He said he can't explain it, but he saw Jesus in that light bulb, and Jesus stepped out of that light bulb in his direction, and it so shook him up that he found himself down front of the church that night on his knees, giving his life to Almighty God and Jesus Christ. It was a very real experience to him. He went on from there to have a very successful and powerful ministry. So you tell me, did he see Jesus in that light bulb that night? It was a deeply personal experience for him. But to him, it was so very real. And that really is all that matters, that God spoke to him in that wonderful way. The heavens were ripped open when Jesus was baptized and Jesus heard a voice and he saw the spirit descending upon him. And that was the starting point of Jesus's ministry. It was time for him to get going. As he approached the end of his earthly life, he spoke about another baptism, but this time it wasn't in water or the spirit. It was a baptism into death for us. After Jesus was baptized, we are told that the Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the hot, lonely, desolate places of a desert for a very long time. For that's what the phrase 40 days really means. If my daddy had been writing this story for future uh, years to, to read, my daddy would have said that Jesus was out of the desert for 411 days. Now that's a long time. There, led by the Spirit, Jesus was tested and tempted by Satan. Mark doesn't tell us any of the details of the temptation. Matthew does and Luke does. It seems to be enough for Mark just to let us know that Jesus was able to be tempted and that he underwent tests. You see, there were some people in the early church that had a lot of trouble accepting the fact that Jesus was in any way human. He was divine. He was God's son. They had trouble believing that Jesus suffered really and died really, and therefore they really didn't think that Jesus understood them and their own struggles. It was quite a challenge to them to hear that Jesus had a perceived weakness to them that is, he was able to be tempted. So Mark makes certain that we get that part of the story right. Jesus was God's son, all right, but he also lived in a human flesh and bone body. And he was therefore able to be tempted to sin, just as we are able to be tempted. And he was, attempt he was tempted, according to Matthew and Luke, to misuse his power for personal gain. 
to feed people's stomachs while ignoring other spiritual needs, to turn completely away from God and start serving the devil instead. That had to be the wildest temptation, but he, he was tempted to do just that. His hunger for food was a, a point where he could be tempted. His desire for power and, and popularity, even notoriety, were other places that he could be tempted. Major temptations, to be sure. There is a very old tradition in Judaism that tells us that the devil's role in our lives is that of a tester. He tests us. We see that most clearly in the book of Job. The tempter came to test Job's faith and resolve, and Jesus' faith underwent a similar time of rigid testing. Now, back when I was in public school, my teachers would tell us that, teacher, uh, that uh, tests were not only for, uh, for grades, they helped us learn what we still had to learn. They let us know what we needed to master about a particular subject. And sometimes our teachers would even give us practice tests that wouldn't count for our grade, but they sure did tell us what we needed to work on to be ready for the real test. Jesus was taken by the Spirit to a very safe, lonely, isolated place inhabited only by wild animals where he could be given a practice test. If the Son of God, endowed by God's powerful spirit, should fail a test, at least he was very far removed from populated areas. But this was a real time of testing. Jesus could have failed, and if he had failed, it could have been catastrophic. That he didn't fail says a great deal about him and the strength of his character. How did this testing occur? Matthew and Luke tell us that Jesus saw uh, something from on top of a high tower of the temple and that he was tempted to jump from up there. They tell us about a high place, a mountain that was so tall that Jesus could see into all the kingdoms of the world and that Jesus was tempted to become the leader of all those kingdoms. But where was Jesus actually? He was still in the desert, in the company of the wild animals. And so these temptations must have been going on in Jesus' mind, just as your temptations and mine always begin in our heads, in our thoughts. A thought enters our heads, and the thought is so delightful, so so tempting. We play with that thought, entertain it in our minds, and it gains strength and power. That's what happened to Jesus too. But Jesus knew the antidote. He knew God's will and God's message in the scriptures. And ultimately he answered every tempting thought with godly wisdom, crowding the tempting thought out of his mind with godly thoughts. After this time of lengthy testing, Jesus returned from the desert and apparently waited a while before he actually began his ministry. It wasn't until John was locked away in prison that Jesus went to Galilee and began preaching. 
When he went there, he found that there was a huge void in the lives of the people now that John was taken away from them, and Jesus moved in to fill that void, taking as the theme of his very first messages the same one that John had used with a slight twist. John had been preaching the kingdom of God is near, repent and be baptized so that your sins may be forgiven. Jesus' message was the kingdom of God is real close. Repent and believe some good news. Believe the good news. For John, the message was that you better repent, change your ways, so you don't get left out when God's kingdom comes. For Jesus, the message was that you should turn away from doubt and your lack of faith and trust in God and start really believing the good news that God had forgiven you and that his kingdom was already there in our hearts. Repent of your lack of trust in God's goodness and fatherly love, Jesus was saying. Repent of your trust in your own goodness and self-righteousness and start believing that God accepts you by his grace alone. Repent of trying to make your way back to God and believe that God has come looking for you in the Christ, the Messiah. During Jesus' final 40 days on earth, he faced immense uh, pressures and temptations once again. His best friend Peter tempted him to turn away from the suffering and death. But Jesus knew that old familiar temptation was coming from far beyond this world. Get behind me, Satan, he cried. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed that the cup of suffering might be taken away from him, but he would drink from it if he had to in order to fulfill God's will. Someone urged him to call down the forces of heaven to rescue himself while he was dying on the cross. But Jesus resisted that temptation as well. You see, Jesus really is just like us, although he is in every way God's son. He is very human in every way. What a savior we have. What a friend we have in Jesus. Let us follow him along his final pathway during Lent, examining ourselves to see what we should remove from our lives in order to be able to walk more closely to him, learning from him how to resist temptations. Amen.